0: Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that your promises are sure, you are here, you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that you have called us to restore to us what we lost what we were in Adam and Eve, and what we lost through them and by our own responsibilities. But thank you that you have restored us and called us into that mission with you to restore others. For your glory, for your honor. Open our hearts to your word, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you ask anyone, I hope if I ask you, what is the mandate of the church? What is the, what is the body of Christ really called to do? I hope your answer will be, we are called to make disciples. Now, this is not something that we manufactured. We were so clever that we came up with a vision statement and a mission statement that we want to make disciples. It's not our idea. It is the Lord's own idea, the Lord of the church, the owner of the church, the church everywhere. He says that his mission is to make disciples. We'll explain what that means in a little bit. And then he invites his people, those who are following Jesus already, to drag along others in following him. The church did not come up with this. The Lord of the church stated this. And so the church everywhere, that is our vision, that is our mission. We want to see people turn to the Lord and follow him. So in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, very familiar passage. We've read it in this church many times, but let me reread it. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth. Has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Now, keep that passage in mind and ask yourself the very simple question. What does it mean to be disciple? Of course, follower. That's not what I'm going at. We'll come to that. That is what it means. But what does it mean, really, to be a disciple, for us to be called disciples? Now, the first time, even though it doesn't use that word there, the first time the idea of disciples is introduced in the whole of the Bible is in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God's intent, which is fulfilled in Jesus when he makes disciples. Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock. And all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created man, mankind, human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Other versions will say that be fruitful and multiply. Multiply in number and fill the earth. So just hold on with the word disciple for a moment and think about this passage. God's purpose is that he will fill the whole earth He will fill the whole earth with people who have been created by him to bear his image. That is his intent. Before sin crept in, before Genesis 3, this is God's purpose. People who have been created by him, created in his own image, created to reflect him, to look like him. Whatever that means. And it will not just be a small community somewhere. They will fill The whole earth. And not only that, they will fill the whole earth. And because they look like God, they have been given the ability to rule, to take care, to serve God in that way. To take care of the whole earth. To take care of all that God has created. And they are supposed to rule over it by virtue of being made in the image of God. They rule over it under God. That is God's purpose that we see here in Genesis chapter 1. These people who have been created in the image of God, you could say that they are are God's princes and princesses. God is the king. And these rule because they are made in the image of God. They rule over the rest of the creation under God. That is what they are doing. And, and, And part of their mandate is this. The two of you, man and woman, created in the image of God, work together so that through you, I will fill the whole earth with other image bearers. Image bearers of God across the whole earth. Now, by the time we get to Genesis 3, you know what happened. Genesis 3, there is the rebellion against God. The very image God created them, male and female in his own image, by Genesis 3, that image has been spoiled. It has been deeply, deeply affected by sin. And what was the sin? The sin was quite simple, though its effect is not that simple. The sin was this. We will still rule over the world, but we will do that independent of you. We can decide how this world should be run, how our lives should be run on our own wisdom. Not independence on you, not making reference to God, not making references to his word. And because of that, that image, that reflection of God, that character of God that is with us, is affected by this rebellion. What we see in our world is not because of lack of education or lack of good health. Or because our tax system is so bad. It may be bad. But it is because of this rebellion again. It is because somehow we have been, if you like, we have become subhuman than the way the Lord made us. The image has been affected. And so the multiplication is going on. Human beings are being born and are being born and are being born. But we are giving birth to human beings who are not fully and perfectly reflecting this image that God wanted us to have. But here is the good news. Here is the gospel. The good news is that this image has been restored And it is being restored. And it is happened and happening through the Lord Jesus Christ. God has restored this image. God is restoring this image to the people whom he loves and has created when they turn by faith and come to Jesus. And that is why in the the New Testament, now we move from the Old Testament. By the time you hit the New Testament in Colossians, listen to what Paul says there. Chapter 1, verse 15. Listen. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Verse 17 to 20. He holds all things together. The Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. And then that takes you back into Genesis, doesn't it? This is the image. They were created in the image of God, and then they spoiled it by sin. And yet, because God is full of love and mercy, he pursues them. And he restores that image in that perfect humanity in Jesus. So the image is restored in Jesus. And so he says again that the image of the invisible was the first born from all creation. It doesn't mean he was created. It means that he is the first to lead all creation, all human beings in this restoration of image. To resemble God. To look like him. So that we will be able to fulfill the purpose he's always had for us now and perfectly in the new creation. It is in the sun that this distorted image is restored. And it is restored to all who come by faith, by faith in Jesus. It's not automatic. He has done it. It is objectively there, and we subjectively receive it by faith in him when we turn and we come. Do you realize that in Genesis, he's talking about the man and the woman, the the, the husband and the wife. Do you realize that? And then he tells them that the two of you under me be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now in Jesus, the, 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 the groom of the church, together with the bride, the church, they work together. We work with our husband as the church. And we are seeing image bearers of God restored to fill the whole earth. God's mandate, God's purpose won't be stopped. He will still fill the earth with people who look like him. So that they will be able to carry out his purposes. We thought Genesis 3 was the end of it all. No, it was not. The groom of the church. And the bride of the groom, the body of Christ everywhere, is still carrying out as they fill the whole earth through evangelism, through missions. We see people turn and come to the Lord. And so when the Lord gives his mission to the church, the first passage that we read, he's saying that that passage literally means says this. While you are going about your day to day life, so that you don't think that it is actually for those who are into full time ministry. No, it is for everyone. And so the idea of go and make disciples is actually, whilst going, make disciples. Whilst you are going about your normal life, as to wherever the Lord has called you, make disciples. That is what we are about in this world. Fill the earth with disciples. It's interesting that sometimes when we are referring to disciples, we want to call them Christ-like disciples. What we are actually saying is God-like disciples. People to whom this image that was lost, that was distorted, has been restored. And the the only way we know that it's been restored is in Christ. As we look at him, and as we become like him, by faith in him, as we turn and we turn, we turn from ourselves, and we turn towards him then we are becoming like God himself in Christ. So when he says that whilst you are going about your life, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. When we see the Lord Jesus, the one, the one who reflects to us the perfect image of the Godhead, of God, obeying the Father, he is showing us what it means to really be in the image of God, to really be truly human. To be truly human is to, is to look like God. That happens through obedience. And he reflects that, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So when the early church, when the early church, the first church if you like, the first gathering unto Christ after the ascension, when the early church preached and called people to repentance and faith in the risen Lord Jesus, they called people. You remember Peter's sermon in Acts when he stood up. And preached under the power of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people turned and gave themselves to the Lord. This was what was happening afterwards. It wasn't just people come to faith and then off they go. We are told in Acts that they were meeting in homes, they were meeting in the temple, they were meeting in the synagogues, and then they were studying God's Word. They were encouraging one, they were living life together. And they were being used by God, that same group of people. You know, by the time Stephen was persecuted and killed, and persecution broke out, they all scattered. And as they scattered, they took with them the gospel. And then they were preaching it, and people were gathering, and people were gathering. A lot of the churches that were planted in those days were not necessarily planted by the apostles. Some of them were planted by some unknown believers who took the gospel with them. Because the mandate is that they are supposed to be image bearers of God, disciples of God, disciples of the Lord Jesus, and fill the whole earth. So God, in his wisdom, he scatters them. But until then, they would would gather in the temple, they would gather in homes, and they would break bread. Let me just read quickly for us. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 Those who accepted Peter's message, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, these believers, I know some of them have returned to their home country, but however many were left in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hallelujah. The believers continued to live this way. After they had heard the word and believed, they continued to live this way. Why? So that they might grow together. They were meeting in the temple, they would listen to the word of God, then they would eat together. That's why in this church we eat together a lot. (laughs) Of Amir. He's nodding his head. We fast too. But they will eat together and then they will share the Holy Communion. And then they will go and preach the word so boldly. And then they will come together. They were meeting daily. It wasn't a weekly affair. They were too excited about the Lord and about each other to leave each other. They will just keep gathering. Don't ask me what work were they doing. I don't know. But they were gathering somehow. They were making time to gather together. They knew that it was in this gathering around Christ that we grow more and more every day into this image of Christ, image of God that is seen in Jesus. Now, i explain that in a minute um, before we finish. Now what God is doing through them is that more than Genesis, more than this image that was given to them in creation, now it has been restored even more perfectly, even more gloriously in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that is what it means to be about the church. The church's whole mission is that we are called not only to be a people to whom the image of God has been restored in Christ by faith, That we, together with him in the power of the Spirit, go and call others, invite others, so that by faith in Jesus, they will have this image restored. And in doing that, as long as we are alive, as long as Christ tarries, in doing that, the image bearers are filling the whole earth. We do that here along with other churches. They do that there in Tessie along with other churches there. They do that there in Ivory Coast. They do that there in the United States or in the um, Arab Emirates, wherever the church of God is. As they do that, the image bearers are being restored. More and more people are coming. We're filling the earth. And now, we are living our lives in a particular way in this world as to fulfill the purpose of looking after God's creation, of ruling over the world in a way that honors him. And in the new creation, we will do that perfectly. What it really means, that all people through Christ and by faith in him, gathered from all over the world, we will gather and the earth in the new creation, we will look after it under God in full obedience to him perfectly obeying and adoring him. That is our mandate as a church. This idea of making disciples, this idea of calling people to return to God by faith and be restored is not one of the activities the church does. Every activity of the church feeds into that. If you go on a medical mission, I hope you are looking for opportunities to actually present Christ to others. Because that is what truly restores them. The medical and the helps that are given are only glimpses into what the goodness of the God we serve. But here is a thing about disciple making. Here is a thing about the very mandate that was given in Genesis one that runs through the whole of the Bible, right into. Revelation, where we see all the peoples gathered before the throne of God, purified, reflecting God in Christ, worshiping, praising, not rebelling against God, but fulfilling His purpose. This is the thing about it. It is true that we are saved as individuals. I mean, you can't, you can't prof- profess faith for someone. I would have done it for all my relatives. You can't, can you? Do it for all your children. And then they come to faith. I would have gladly taken that on. Maybe it would have been more stressful than I imagine it. But people have to come to faith in Jesus as they repent themselves, as they hear the good news. They turn. Sometimes whole households turn to the Lord, but they still have to believe. That is true. We come by faith as individuals. But here is the thing. We live and grow as disciples in community. You realize how the Bible uses the language of one another. Bear the burden of one another. To each other. One another. He always saves us and places us in the community of other disciples, other people who are growing in reflecting the image of God in Christ. So You may definitely be saved. You are trusting in Christ. You are turning and obeying Him as an individual, and you get busy with your life out there. But here is the thing we live and we grow as disciples in community with others, not in isolation. We as disciples, they as disciples are called together. And that is why these, these early believers, they got it. They were meeting together. They were feasting together. They were sharing life together. Again, let me say that here in this church, we are big on getting the curriculum right for discipleship and getting the materials in place. And Sofua I may mean, is leading in developing and so on and so forth. However, We also understand that disciple making is not like attending a school and graduating. Disciple making and being a disciple is a life, it's a way of life. It's what it means to be in existence in Christ. And it is actually done in life together, not in isolation. I know I have said it 10 times already. So why do you keep repeating? Because it is so important that you don't isolate yourself as a believer. When one believer sees something, they draw your attention to it. I may think alone that I am the best Christian ever to have existed. Only maybe third to Peter and Paul. I may think. But don't deceive yourself. For all you know, the Lord wants to place you in that community so that he will use your brothers and sisters to actually sharpen you to become more like Christ, to reflect this image more and better. Don't live in isolation. It's not a church activity. It's a way of life. The activity should feed into this. And that is why in Redeemer City Church, Mishnah families are important. I know it's been a challenge for many of us for the, the guests who may not know, missionary families are like house, the idea is to create them like house churches. They meet in the course of the week, some on Wednesday, some on Thursday, and they're supposed to share life together around Christ, soaking themselves up in His Word, getting into it. That it it's important because, not because it is one of those church structures you need to put in place. If you put such structures in place, I hope it is serving and moving towards Christ-likeness for people. My friends, brothers and sisters, again, look at me for a moment. I know I'm not as good-looking as maya is this morning, even that I do not being the brother like you, we, we know you. But this is important. Whatever you do, remember this. Life is not going to get less busy for you, never. As technology advances, as cars come in, as the internet continues to be cheaper and cheaper, life is not going to be less busy. Life is going to be even busier. You have to determine today the topmost priorities of your life. Above all priorities that you have, this should take precedence. That you grow as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. That you grow into Christ-likeness. He will use your work, he will use your marriage, he will use parenting, he will use your studies, whatever it is, if that is not your topmost priority, I humbly say that you've missed the point. If it is work and money, you will leave it and go. If it is marriage, our spouses will leave us one day, through death, I hope, not divorce. Whatever it is, we will leave it here, because they are only images and parts. The only thing that abides and that will run into all eternity, is that we will gather before the throne as disciples of Jesus. People to whom this image has been restored. Can I urge you to, maybe this week, reorder your life? Part of Satan's strategy is to make us so busy that we lose focus of the most important things. So, in our missionary family here, now finish quite soon, the agenda is twofold, isn't it? It is one to disciple one another, for disciples to disciple one another in community with the gospel, with the gospel word, and then with gospel deed, both our words and our lives, discipling one another in community. And then the second aspect of the missionary family. It's to reach out to our neighborhood where we meet with the gospel word and the gospel deed. Look, if as a church we don't do anything and we do this one, and we invest what we have in discipling the children, in discipling the teens, in developing families, so that people are discipled and then we reach out to others, I think that that is enough. And then when we gather on Sunday, we celebrate people who have become born again. And we celebrate baptisms. And we rejoice over these things. And we hear our children professing faith in Jesus and what their lives transformed. This is enough. And then we love our neighborhood by some of the things that we did and connect with them. And then we gather again and then we study the word of God. We study the gospel and then we apply it to our lives. Every day. And then people are invited into our midst and then they realize that Christians are actually normal people. They are just normal people. They enjoy everything. They don't come like people in white robes and then they sit and they are not talking to each other and they talk in this heavenly language that you can't understand. No, no, they are normal people. They have their children running around as well. And they have their children naughty like any other person's children. And what Christian, the difference between Christians and non-Christians is that Not only have they turned to Christ, these Christians, so that this image of God through the humanity is restored to them. Somehow, they are helping each other by the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they are being changed every day to become more like their God, to become more like Christ. And they help each other towards obedience. And then they are encouraging each other to continue to obey. That is the essence of this. So let me finish up by touching. Quick, 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 quick. How will you know if your missionary family, for those of you who are in missional families, and I encourage everybody to be in one, is making progress and bearing fruits, number one. Test this. If you are growing in knowing and serving one another without reservation, that is a sign of fruit bearing. If deep in your heart, in discipling one another, you are growing and in in knowing one another and serving one another and not holding on to your credentials so that you expect the younger to serve the older, the least educated to serve the more educated, that is contrary to gospel. And so when the world comes in and then they watch and then they understand that she is chief executive officer of the company. She is that. And how come she is rather serving in this way and mopping the floor and taking care of the kids? That is contrary to what is in the world. And they know each other and they care. Secondly, how do we know whether we're making progress and bearing fruit as missionary families? If we are growing in prayer as a community. When we gather and we have talked and we have loved and we have shared, if we're actually turning and dependent on God. If this dependence on God is growing for us, not just as an individual. oh, my prayer life is sharp, praise the Lord for you. But I hope we'll come to a place where we say our prayer life is sharp with such dependence on God. Test it in your own missional family. The third one is, test it again, if you are growing in your expectations of hearing God speak to you through his word. That when we gather, we are all so excited. Today, we're we're going to talk about God. Can you imagine? We're not just going to talk about God's word. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about our Father. And in this, there is no teacher. So when I go there, I'm a member of the missionary family. I'm not the one going to mount a mini pulpit on the table. That I say, he's my shepherd in my missionary family. We are all in community going to look into the scriptures together. The only person who sits above is the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching us. And we are helping each other to see Christ Better. And as we see Christ better, we know how He will transform us, and we are to be transformed into that image that we see. Number four How would you know that we are actually making progress and becoming fruitful and growing? When you are making and following specific agreed plans to make disciples of Jesus, and you are agreeing to this, that as missionary family this year, we know the church's mission, we know the church's vision, we're going to take that and actualize it in this community. Guys, do you agree? Yes, we agree. Let's do it this way. We've all prayerfully agreed. And then every quarter, we assess it. Are we actually decide? Are we helping each other to grow? And are we reaching out to others? Or, we are just so comfortable in a nice fellowship. Again, are we being fruitful? Oh, check it by this. That you are growing in applying the gospel to each other confidently and humbly. Now, this is so important. Time will not permit me to go into it. The reason we forgive in missional families is because of the gospel, isn't it? Some has preached that sermon before, if you remember. From Matthew. No, Matthew, right? 18. <laughs> he remembers. The reason why... In Mishloah families, we're encouraging husbands to be servants. The head of the families to be servants is because that the Lord of the church is the Lord. Is the, the church uh, serves the church, isn't it? The point is, as we look to Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and all oh, the hope of His return, and all that goes with it, we are applying, drawing its implications to our lives, every aspect of it, without exception. So, my friends, remember that God has in Jesus, our Lord, by his life, by his death, thank God Jesus died. Thank God Jesus was raised from the dead by his resurrection. He has made it possible, this is the gospel, he has made it possible for this deeply distorted image of God That, apart from Christ, is the characteristics of all who are outside of Jesus. He has made it possible that it will be restored. And it will be restored fully and perfectly on the return of Jesus. Our mission is to become like Jesus by the grace of God through faith in obedience towards the gospel. And by the same grace, the same enabling power, we are called to call others. Come, 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 others. Come and be restored. So that all of us together will be able to serve God's purpose in this world. We serve God's purpose in this world, not only in the new creation, but even now. We serve God's purpose, wherever he's placed us. We serve God's purpose together as we obey him, as we live differently from the way the world lives as we love our neighbors as instead of soaking ourselves in complaining about our city we explore ways of being useful to it no matter how small disciples image bearers filling the earth that is our mandate that is our call that is what i hope redeemer city church is all about i hope that that will be what this church will be about after i am dead and gone and others are leading it or the lord calls me elsewhere and others are leading it that they keep their focus on the vision the lord has set for us let me just pray father thank you for your grace and mercies Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your call upon our lives. Help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.